Hello and welcome to another episode of the Women Who Sport podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Simi Pam, who is Bristol Bears prop extraordinaire. She's also a doctor of the NHS. She's just like super cool, does some mad things. And yeah, we have a really cool discussion. So please tune in for that. Before we get into it with Simi, I'd just like to thank the partners that have made this podcast possible. So they are Regardless Official and Boob Armour. Boob Armour also supported our last series. You will have heard us bang on about them before. We absolutely love their products. They make chest protection for female athletes. They're really small, thin, lightweight inserts that go inside your sports bra and can give you the confidence to compete knowing that your breasts are protected. You can see all their products on their website and use this code WOMANWHOSPORT for 20% off their products. There's links all over our Instagram. Regardless official, make mouth guards. They do boil and bite ones, but they also do dental grade mouth guards. They send you a mold, you mold it at home, return it to them in their labs and they will send you a custom fit mouth guard. It's an absolute COVID dream. And with this code WWS20, you can get 20% off. It's a mouth guard that I've been using this season. I absolutely love it. And yeah, totally recommend checking them out as well. Again, links are all over our Instagram account. Let's get Sharon Martin on and get into it with Simi Pan. Okay, so we'll start with your journey into rugby. Were you always quite a sporty kid growing up and when did rugby come around? Yeah, so rugby um, was quite a late find for me. Um, I only started playing, it's it's about three and a half years now since I first started playing. Um, But I've always done sport since I was like three. But the sport I've done is what's changed over the years. So I'm very... I like I love I love training I love like competing and stuff like that and I love sort of like taking a sport as far as I think I can and then I get bored I'm like right I've got to do something else and that's kind of how I've always been so I think I started like with ballet and like gymnastics and did a bit of tennis did a bit of swimming um then like my main sort of sport before I came to rugby was athletics um I went in as a sprinter came out as a shot putter <laughs> don't really know how that happened but it did um but then yeah I just kind of lost the love for athletics that stopped being as enjoyable for me I think I think I've always been someone who actually probably is more of a team sports person so um it just got to a stage where I didn't think I was getting any better I wasn't enjoying it it's very very lonely as a sport it can get very monotonous it's all about sort of like drills and drills and reps and just like really really you, you catch yourself like outside in the middle of winter it's pouring with rain no one's there and you're like what am I doing <laughs> um so yeah I stopped athletics and was sort of looking for a team sport basically and people said oh you should try rugby and I was like after after enough people had said it I was like Do you know what I'll try rugby and here we find ourselves <laughs> You're so right, though. I can really relate to that. In an, in, in an individual sport, your actual competition season is relatively short in comparison to the amount of year you spend just training on your own. Yeah. Whereas rugby, you spend so much of the year playing and actually doing the good bit. Yeah. And even when you're not playing, like at least you're training with people. 
because um, I think athletics, when you're sort of pre-18, is actually really, it almost feels like a team event. Like, you've got your club, there are so many people involved, so many people who do it. Um, and as you get more sort of serious and more elite, that kind of tapers out. But you go to competitions together, they get a coach, you know, all your pals are there, you hang out when you're not competing at the day. Like, it's a real social thing. And I think that's the bit that made me enjoy it so much. And I'd had a training group, you know, and it was a lot of fun. But then home for me is like three and a half hours away from Bristol. So when I got into uni, I had to find like a whole new setup. And, you know, there aren't many that many girls who are throwing shots you know competitively at the level I was throwing so I ended up sort of training with me and maybe like a couple of heptathletes every now and again and it just never really got to being fun again um and I think I realized actually I don't know how much I enjoy this for what it is without that sort of team feel yeah no definitely and you took so you mentioned before you took up rugby three years ago Bristol Bears started in the development squad, worked your way up, and now you're a key first team player. And in a few of the interviews that you've done, you, you kind of hinted at England aspirations. So at what point in your rugby journey so far did you think, actually, I can do this? Um, do you know what? So if I'm honest with myself, like when I, when I stopped doing athletics, I wanted to start a sport, but I didn't want to just start any sport that like, I couldn't get good at like part of sport for me is the journey and actually seeing how good you can get with something and actually setting your mind to you know you know setting like big big targets big standards and actually seeing yourself work towards them so I think when I first started playing like I didn't know any of the rules didn't know what was going on but I think after my first um, match with my uni threes team I actually never forget this one of the refs well the ref for that match after like pulled me aside and was just like you could be really good like he was like like wide-eyed and was like you're really good like you could be really good as a player and I was just sort of like doe-eyed like I don't know what's going on but he said that and that stuck and I was like wow I've only played for like a couple of weeks by this point Um, I'm like picturing the way that you run over people and (laughs) So the way that you yeah. must have run over people in a university thirds team, like, that's almost like a safety concern. <laughs> and that's literally what happened. Was it just like, get the ball and go? <laughs> but the thing is, so, because I, like I said, I didn't know any of the rules. Um, and all we had done, I'd done, only done like two weeks of, of training before this match. And they asked me to play and I was like, are you joking? Like, I literally don't know what I'm doing. But they were like, no, 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 like you'll learn learn through like playing a match. And I was like, all right, for sure. And the first half, because all I had done in training was touch, I was like getting touched and sort of like going down and presenting and stuff like that. So at half time, one of the coaches was just like, Simi, like, I think you can run through these girls. And there I was like, oh, is that allowed? And he was like, yes, just keep running. And I was like, oh, br- like brilliant. That's great. <laughs> so then Penny dropped it. Yeah, and I think that was probably the moment where I realised, like, oh, I love this sport. Like, I don't know anything about it, but I love playing. Um, So, yeah, like, the kickoff, second half, they kicked it off. It came to me, I caught it and just cracked on and then scored. 
And then I, I could just, when I was walking back to halfway, I could just see everyone just like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> um, and then that was like my aha moment. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a great, this is a great sport. This is something I can definitely get behind. <laughs> so I've forgotten the original question. We got so sidetracked. Is the original question? Uh, what was my original question? I think we're just chatting about you building up through the development oh, squad. Yeah, thanks. Oh yeah. And at what moment did you realise oh. that you thought, yeah, I can do this? Yeah. So yeah, so the ref for that match after that second half was like oh, you could be good. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to try it. Like, I'm going to keep going and keep playing. Um, Because before I started playing rugby, everyone, a lot of people had kind of been like, oh, are you sure you want to start a new sport? Like, you're going to be a doctor in a couple of years. How are you going to be able to manage it? Blah, 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 blah. So I thought that I was. this is going to be sort of something that I did to finish off my time at uni and then crack on. But then I was like, okay, let me give this a go, see, see what happens. Um, but I think actually, as I as I started to understand the game and understand that players have different roles and different responsibilities, because I had no knowledge of the game and I had no skills, so I couldn't pass. I could kind of tackle, but not really. I was sort of worried that I wasn't going to be good enough in terms of that aspect and that everyone was going to be, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of me because, you know, they had that skill set. But I think I started to realise that actually my skill set is being physical and, and my athleticism and all the things that I had built up from years of doing other sports. And so the penny dropped quite quickly in terms of, I was like, well, I can't pass, I can't kick, I can't really do much else other than catch the ball and run. So at least for now, all I'm going to do is focus on catching the ball and running as hard as I can, as fast as I can and getting myself into those positions where I'm going to be able to have a good run without, you know, people being in front of me kind of thing. Um, and that's still kind of stuck. <laughs> I'm still not, I, I think I could count maybe on one hand the number of times I've passed in matches. It doesn't happen often. Just because I'm like, I, I don't really back myself to do it anyway. So I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to run. I can relate to that and I've been playing for longer than three years so like that doesn't change. The one of old flatmates used to say like know your limits stay within them and I'm like yeah. Like exactly imagine if I try and throw a pass and everyone's like Simi why do you think you're on this team? Run that's not your role. I'm like all right I'll just run that's fine. It is very clear though that you play it with a lot of passion and emotion and you can see that through celebrating tries and big hits does that pride come from the club or is that through the personal journey that you've been on to, to get to this point that you're at now? Yeah, it's a mixture of everything. Like I'm a big believer in if you don't love what you do, are you wasting your time? You know, I like to do the things that get me excited and keep me happy and keep me in a good headspace. And especially around, you know, right now with COVID and everything, rugby is a good thing. And we're so privileged that we've been able to keep playing. And it's something that I loved before lockdown and the fact that we've been able to play throughout lockdown just makes it extra special. And with how much uncertainty is around, you have no idea when they're going to actually, you know, have to pull the plug for whatever reason or, you know, you might have to self-isolate for a couple of weeks or, you know, anything could happen. I think it's just made me really enjoy it even more and really cherish actually being out there and playing matches. 
Um, but then, yeah, also like personal pride, pride for my team. Like every time I step on the pitch, like I want to do well. I want my team to do well. Mm-hmm. And when we do do well, I want to celebrate it because, you know, there, there, there will be times, there have been times where you are in that rut and it feels like everything goes against you and things are really hard. And then you'll wish that when things were great, you actually enjoyed them then and there. Do you know what I mean? And I think in my athletics days, I definitely, there were a lot of times where, you know, I wouldn't place as well or throw as far as I wanted to, even though like I would get a medal and I'd be on the podium like pouting and, you know, not really being happy about it. And then you realise that those moments aren't guaranteed. And actually you then clock on that, oh, this hasn't happened for a few years now. And you wish you enjoyed it more when they were happening without you really realising, you know, how, you know, what was going on. So yeah, I definitely love to live in the moment. And yeah, I think my, my whole thing is being physical, being passionate, bringing everything I can and bringing my all into a match. And that just spills out. I'm a big celebrator. I didn't even realise that. Oh, I, like, <laughs> I absolutely love the passion you show and as well because I think like as women playing rugby like I don't think we do that enough in our league um yeah like celebrate like the physicality and and being powerful athletes and like w- what we can do so yeah I, I think it's such a cool thing and like such a good thing for the women's game Definitely. yeah and like I when I sometimes when I watch it back I'm like Christ people are gonna think like I'm this cocky like arsehole big-headed think she's all that but it really isn't it's it's just I love what I do and I, I, I you get into it like yeah rugby is, is such an intense sport and it's really you know you're putting yourself it's head it's head on it's you know you're in people's faces it's physical and you you do get caught up in it and I really hope that people can can see it as me just wanting to play well and team me wanting my team to do well as opposed to oh she thinks she's all that look at oh. her cocky arrogant blah, 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 all of that but if I check if I try and change who I am personally I will be a completely different player and I wouldn't want to be that so I just sort of have accepted that this is how I play and people are going to like it or not oh I yeah. think it's brilliant yeah we fully <laughs> appreciate that I am not a try scorer so when like it do cross that white line <laughs> do I celebrate and it is the same reasons as you like I'm just like whoa I've got five more points on the board yeah like, literally exactly well, do you celebrate like, anybody's tries like that like yeah. even if you've not scored it you're going mental that's me as well like but that's the thing people don't see that if you're not there like when anyone scores there's me like if you watch like our matches like on a wide angle rather than the tight views you'll see me losing my mind I'm on the sidelines I'm kicking off like that's me celebrating anyone but it's only people see it more when it's my own but yeah I I just want the team to do well yeah nah nothing wrong with that at all so before you actually touched upon this about balancing life as a doctor and how do you find that and how do you do that and third and final part of the question how what would you recommend to people that are potentially doing a similar thing juggling that dual career athlete lifestyle it's very difficult I can't even lie um it's uh, it's it's organized chaos is probably the best way to describe it um I just you you just have to learn to roll with the punches I, I think that's been quite difficult for me because I'm someone who likes structure 
routine, know what I'm doing. I know that I'm doing this at this point, in, you know, of my day. Um, and especially with COVID, COVID just threw everything up in the air as well and added another variable to, to everything. But I think I just had to accept that things are going to vary on a week to week basis, might vary last minute and not just variables in terms of my actual, you know, shift patterns, but variables in how I'm feeling. You know, sometimes I have a really like light day, nothing goes wrong, people are fine. You just sort of rock up, say hi, say bye, go away and it's all good. And there are other days where people are really sick, people are dying. You have to have really difficult conversations with, with family members or, you know, it, it, the shifts can be really intense. And after those kind of shifts, I'm in no kind of space to train. So I have to just sort of almost know my limits and know wh- when I, what I can and can't do, I guess. Um, yeah, like aside from the obvious of, you know, being organised and having to plan out your day and, and, and things like that and sort of prep your meals and all of that, it's, I guess, being confident enough to be able to listen to my body and listen to myself when I know that I'm not mentally or physically there for training and and bears have been really good and you know ever since I've been there but especially since being a doctor and especially since um the pandemic started in saying that listen there's no pressure from us if you're not up to something let us know if you're knackered let us know and sometimes it's a case of I'll turn up but you know I just I won't do contact today because I'm just not quite work quite there or I'll just you know do some physio and stuff like that so it's just having that flexibility around what I can and can't do um, and just managing the job because, yeah, you know, through through the winter months, it was really difficult and there was a lot going on, um, like personally and at work. So it's just being smart. You don't want to try and force yourself to do stuff and then get injured because you're not truly there, you know. I think that's really admirable because I think as like a lot of women in the Prem are balancing that career with competing and how many times you go to training and you feel crap and you you don't get a good session out of it like yeah I think it's really cool that you've learned that on the way and you you implement yeah. it and your teammates are supportive I think I've kind of had to because whether I like it or not like I cannot do it you know you've got the the ideal weekly schedule that you know the SNC boys put out and I cannot do everything as and when it's written so I think that has kind of forced me to learn to be adaptable but then yeah it's just been a case of you just you have to listen to yourself um and have to sort of take away the guilt aspect of sometimes I'm already panicked like oh you know we've got a match this week this weekend and I've only trained you know once and I've only been to the gym once oh my god I'm a shit athlete I'm this and that like whatever it is but actually it's better like rather than trying to force myself to do all of these extra things and burn myself, almost burn the candle at both ends. It's better for me, and I know for me as an as a person and as an athlete, if I'm well rested, if if I feel like I've got on top of how I'm, I'm feeling, I will be a better person, which will make me a better player. And I think it's just about having the confidence, you know, to to trust that and to back that actually, even if you miss this one upper body session this week, I think you'll still be okay for the weekend. <laughs> like don't panic you know yeah that is a really big one it's so easy to get fixated on it and stress about the small stuff when actually if you're balancing such a high demanding career 
that actually it's okay to tweak your program and your body's probably going to be a lot better for doing that yeah definitely definitely and it was a lot harder last year when I didn't live in Bristol I was having to travel an hour and a half each way to get to training and so one of the big things that helped um so at the start of that season I had gone from starting for the development team and being on the bench a few times for the prem to being on the bench for the development team and sometimes not even like getting picks like I wasn't playing well at all I think I just wasn't dealing with the travel aspect and being a new doctor very well um <laughs> and I had like this breakdown at post training one day um you know when someone asks you like oh how are you but they say it in a way that just like stabs your heart and I was like I'm not okay <laughs> oh it's like you know you know that I'm not okay um so then I sat down with the, some of the coaches and was just like right what are we going to do to get you to where you know you can be how are we going to do it and we had, like we realized that less would probably be more for me and rather than trying to cram you know getting to training doing all the bits with the girls then doing gym after and all of that we said actually come to training do the group session and then half an hour after we'll do some like specific skills you know some ball handling stuff or you know some tackle technique with the pads or just like some extra conditioning if that's what I felt I needed and actually that's what I found translated really well for me and even though volume wise I wasn't doing as much as probably the rest of the team because what I was doing was so tailored to what I needed and was so focused and so targeted come match day it transferred over so well that I was started to play better Mm-hmm. And then I got in, like, got back into the development team, got back into Prem, and then just kind of went on a bit of a roll. So less can definitely be more. Do you think that coming from an athletics background and in, and having like an individualized program helped you realize that a lot sooner than you might have done if you just come through like a team sport pathway? Yeah, I think the the joy of, the, of having done individual sport for so long is that. You have to be very self-aware and very perceptive. Um, you know, I trained a lot of times without a coach there, without anyone watching. So I've got to be very aware of what I'm doing. And does that feel right? And how am I feeling? And, you know, is something going wrong? So I think I've always been quite self-aware with myself as an athlete, but also as a person. Um, but I think when you're in a team environment, it, because it's so easy to compare yourself directly to people, I think that's where you can start to run into trouble. Um, you can you know you see look at all the other props look at what they're doing look at how many hours they're putting in the gym and I'm not doing that god I'm not on the same level you know that kind of thing so I think it's very easy to compare yourself in a team environment Um, but I think I tried tried to do everything and it didn't work and I was like well okay (laughs) you get it's making me miserable trying to you know cram everything in and only getting a few hours sleep a night and having to work the next day and you know repeat the cycle and you're not even getting the payoff so you know it's like well it can't get any worse than this so we might as well try being a bit more um selective I guess with what I do and when I do it yeah sweet like that's I think that's such good advice for anybody that's listening that's trying to make because I think from that people a lot of people would say that you can't play in the prem and be a doctor but you're like well yeah you know I can do it and you're really showing people like what's possible so I think yeah that's so cool 
yeah one thing about me is if I think I can do something even if you don't like I'm gonna find a way around it I think I'm quite like a tenacious person in that I think because I'm, I'm I know myself and I'm quite self-aware if I genuinely think I can do something even if it seems absolutely bonkers I'm like well no I think there's a way to do it and I will do what I can to at least give it a go so you can definitely do it it's just not that easy it does take a lot of trial and error um but it's all, yeah it's also just knowing how, like how to make your life easier so this year for example since January um I've been getting like meal preps and stuff delivered um each week to cover my lunches while I'm at work and that's like an expense that a lot of people maybe don't want to do but it makes my life so much easier it makes things easier for me to keep on track and it just frees up more of my time to then do the things I need to do so it's just, yeah, you play around with it and you figure out different ways that work for you. And like another thing we want to chat to you about, so as well as playing in the Prem, being a doctor, you also like do so many cool advocacy things. So there was like a couple of those that we wanted to touch on, like starting with body image. I think in your Instagram bio, it says like having muscles doesn't make me a man. And like that's, yeah, I know it's one that I'm like really excited about. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if you could tell us about like your journey with, body image and I guess how you got to a stage that you you can say like I am proud to be like a really powerful athlete yeah um body image for me it's always been something that I struggled to like myself quite when I was like you know since early teens pretty much late teens I'd say like you had the whole you know the things that teenagers go through like I had really bad cystic acne for a long time which wasn't nice um my mum didn't let me wear makeup so I was just like god I can't even feel like I'm hiding the things that I hate about myself but um also being black and being dark skin um in a predominantly white environment made me feel like I, I stood out quite a lot but then I also had muscles and I had I've, I've always had quite a muscular build even from when I was like early teens and I just couldn't really get to grips with why like I really didn't like it and I think the issue is what I didn't like it outside of an athletic environment like when I was you know doing my sports and stuff like that everyone was like wow you look like you're really in shape and that's when I loved it but then it was like when I'd go to grad ball and be in a, in a dress and you could see that biceps and you know it just made me feel so uncomfortable um, and I tried all sorts of things to try and change my physique um, you know you try restricting what you eat and trying to lose the muscles and, and not training as hard because you don't want to put on more muscles and not lifting as heavy in the gym because you don't want to add to what you've already got that you're already trying to lose um, but it just got to a point where I was like listen you can either live your life being miserable about how you look even though like let's be honest like if I don't step foot in a gym for a year I will still have a lot of muscle mass like it is just my you know genetic predisposition so I was like, you, knowing this fact, you could either live your life miserably, wanting to change every single thing about yourself, or you could just learn to love what you look like. Um, and being an older sister, being the oldest sibling in my house, my youngest sister was coming up and kind of saying the same things about herself that I was saying about myself. And she was like, I just look so ugly, all of that. And I was like, no, you, you don't like what, what you're saying. And I was giving her advice and like trying to like, console her. And I was like, you're such a hypocrite. Everything you're saying to her, you don't even believe. 
and so that that was my moment where I was like right you if if you're gonna help your like youngest sister through this you're gonna have to actually truly believe everything you're saying um and that was so I got to that point when I was about 20 21 and so for me my sort of journey to self-love started with I would always get my hair braided like you would never see my natural hair out as it is um you know when I was younger like I would I, I would cancel plans like I would not do things until my hair was done just because I didn't want people to see my natural hair and so when I was 21 I took out my braids and was like right I'm not going to get braids for a period of time and it was absolutely terrifying because I felt so exposed I was just like god I look completely different people aren't used to seeing me like this you know people aren't used to seeing black women with their natural hair out full stop let alone me um I didn't really know how to deal with it I didn't really know what to do with my hair but I was just like if you're going to love yourself you're going to have to learn to love literally everything about yourself so that was sort of what started my journey um ended up keeping my natural hair out I think for two and a bit years until I got it braided again something like that um and it just made me learn to accept myself and then through acceptance I have now learned to love myself and actually really appreciate the things about myself and the things that make me me um, more than I ever have done. And, you know, it's not, a, it's not a place of cockiness or, oh, I'm better than everyone. I look better and you know, I'm stronger and I'm more muscular. It's, it's not that at all. It's just, I wake up in the morning, I say, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I look like. This is your body, the body that you work really hard to have. And look, and, and especially my body, it's a lot of what helps me is when I look at what my body can do. If I'm feeling rubbish about, oh God, look at your look at your arms or your shoulders are popping out of this and whatever, whatever. I'll just watch some gym videos or just watch like some highlights from some matches and say, your body can do that. And if you didn't look like this, you wouldn't be able to do that. And aren't you glad that you can do that? Yeah, all right, crack on. Oh, that's like so inspiring and yeah you're right like it's being naturally muscly that muscly that allowed you to run over people in your first ever game of rugby like you you yeah, couldn't yeah. have one without the other so it's like you might as well love what you've got and make the most of it and the other part that you said that I can really relate to is like the feeling really comfortable in a gym or at training that as soon as you're in that environment where you're meant to look girly yeah. And yeah. somebody will be like, oh, like, oh, look at your arms. And they're trying to compliment yeah. you. But you're like, no, yeah. don't look at my arms. Like, <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah, like, it's... It, Honestly. Yeah. For the first, like, first, like, two years. years. I'm jealous of you both. <laughs> For the first, like, two years of uni, I would never go out without either wearing a long sleeve or having, like, a, a jumper or a hoodie or something. My arms, it's that arms has been the bit that I've really had to work on. It's, it's a tough one, just like the biceps and, you know, just being defined and because it would just annoy me because I'd be like, I'm not even tensing. I'm not doing anything to try and look muscular. Like, could you not just like blend in? But it's fine. I'm over it. We're good. <laughs> Here's me bronze in definition into my arms. <laughs> <laughs> but then this is the thing now, like, because all of this was going on in a time where being fit and being a gym girl wasn't cool yeah. like it's so much more mainstream and acceptable now to be a girl who lifts weights who has muscles you know you think of everything you see on instagram and 
you know people wanting to squat heavy and all of that stuff like it's so much cooler and more widespread to do all of that now but when I was like wait when I started weightlifting back in what 2010 how like it wasn't even and, and there were obviously lots of girls and lots of women were, were, were training and, and had muscles then that's not the point I'm making but you just didn't see it so often it wasn't so acceptable it wasn't something you could just literally see on you know on a daily basis so I felt really you know out there um and there was like back in the time where people would like say oh she's got a big bum as like an insult and that was like something that I would hear a lot or you know we'd be doing PE at school and people are like, oh, if she's such a man why is she getting so competitive and so you know it wasn't the cool thing to do the girls would sort of say, you know, oh sir I don't want to do PE like that was very much the girl thing but I love PE sport was my favorite subject so I always enjoyed doing it and they would often you know put me with the boys for certain sports because I enjoyed it a lot more um and then I'd come back and the girls were like oh, I'm such a man mm, I'm such a boy this blah 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 and ironically one of the girls that used to say a lot of rubbish to me actually like Instagram messaged me a few almost a year ago now being like oh Simi like your body is gold like how did you get there and I was just like I'm not even gonna talk to you <laughs> you made my life so miserable about my body and now here you are chatting to me <laughs> and I was just like no leave me alone but it's mad when you. you're in high school isn't it like I remember oh, like honestly. for PE the girls would go and do Zumba and the boys would do football and I was like well I like I don't want to yeah. do Zumba I'm not good at football like I don't know what to do with myself like it's yeah I think in high school you are like there's definitely a way that girls are meant to act and it's yeah it's yeah. that not being competitive and yeah yeah it's I'm no, glad I think didn't fit the bill yeah same. <laughs> and I think I noticed when you get to uni like there being a really big shift in what's acceptable oh absolutely and I think actually me going to uni was such a blessing because at school you feel like you have to fit in because whether you like it or not you're seeing these people every single day whether I want to or not I sit next to these people for the rest of the year like you have to just kind of fit in with the flow and if you don't you're going to make yourself and your life more miserable and you can't really escape the cohort of people that you're with whereas uni completely different I didn't try and mold myself to my friendship group I found friends who fit me and if you know it's just a lot easier to distance yourself from people who you don't want to be around or who make you feel insignificant or make you feel you know less than or that you're different in a bad way like it's it's so much easier to actually find your core group of people and stick with them and I think that's that's really what happened to me and I really lucked out I found such a great group of friends in first year and we stuck together throughout my time at uni um and we're still you know all really good um two years on but yeah I definitely felt a big shift um when I got to uni and I think what was so telling was the people that you thought you were best friends with at school. As soon as we went to uni, we, that was it. Like there was no more communication. Like even though you could have sworn up and down that these were your people, like <laughs> there's only a couple of them that I actually am in contact with now. But you all just we all went to uni and just distanced immediately, meaning that we weren't even that close to start off with totally get what you mean and because when you're at school you're like oh I like we'll always be friends <laughs> no all <laughs> no. of that um, so you kind of touched on it oh Vons did you have no 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 you were just laughing <laughs> <laughs> it's me and myself to join in the laughter <laughs> um so yeah, you kind of touched on it there but like how do you think social media 
impacts our perception of ourselves with regards to body image? Oh, social media. Big question. <laughs> Very big question. Social media. Social media is is the toxic thing that I love to love. I also love to hate. Um, I love social media. I think used well can be a really good tool. I think actually, especially in terms of what we're trying to do in terms of we want to grow the game. We want to show girls that you can play rugby, you can play it well, you can play at a high level. I think it's brilliant. And I love to use it just to sort of show like that aspect of my life. And I think with if we're trying to grow the sport, I'm a big believer that we need to get people interested, A, in the rugby, but also in personality. People want to follow a sport, they want to follow people. Um, so yeah, I do love social media. I will start with that. But it can be so toxic and so detrimental. And I think about what social media is right now. And if it was the way it is when I was 10 years younger, I think I would have really struggled because there's just so much lies so many lies on it people are lying people really do so much just to be deceptive and make people think like oh this is what every girl you know looks like no I woke up you know perfect hair you know fresh skin perfectly round bum like you know not bloated none of that and it's just like this is all so false and I think it's so easy to get swept up in in what you see and think, God, why don't I look like that? Or, or why can't I do that? Or this person's doing this and I'm not, what's wrong with me? Which is just, can be so detrimental um, to especially young people or people who aren't quite as self-assured or, or have, you know, that resolve in, in themselves. So it, it can be really, really a tough place. But then it also can be awful in terms of the, the comments you get. Um, and I try very hard not to bite, but I, by personality, am quite feisty. And I'm very much like, if you come at me funny, like, there's like, why do I have to be the bigger person? Like, is this how you want to play? All right, let's play then. <laughs> so I have to do, I do try and stop myself, but every now and again, someone will say something that really does get at you. And it doesn't matter how, you know, self-assured you are or how, positive you are and how comfortable you are with your body like someone will say something about it just unsolicited like literally no one asked you and I, this is the bit that I just don't get with social media if you don't like what I'm posting don't follow me yeah ignore there's, it there are so many times that I've been following someone they post a couple things I'm like this is sketchy I'm gonna unfollow you and that's it that's 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 our relationship done there's there's nothing else that needs to happen and if I keep seeing you come up, I'll just like block you or like mute you or whatever. Like there are so many ways to remove things you don't want to see. But I don't understand why people feel the need to not only tell you they don't like something about you, but be so vocal about it and in such a disrespectful way. And then act surprised when you fire back at them. It, it just, it blows my mind. I, I really can't wrap my head around it. And that's what prompted the whole having muscles doesn't make me a man because someone this week said like commented on my videos with like love heart eyes and was like I thought you were a man but wow and I was like how is that a compliment like what do you think you're saying that's like, ridiculous that, like, I, I, <laughs> and I got so frustrated because he was like I was being nice so, and I was like no you weren't that is the most <laughs> bizarre 
<laughs> oh, people on the internet oh honestly never fail to like oh, amuse honestly. you we've um, spoken about that before with like there'll be like a stream of a live women's rugby match and you'll see that somebody's commented on the stream saying nobody cares about no women's rugby cares. so i'm like okay you've <laughs> you've found this stream you've clicked on it you've signed into your youtube account so you can comment then you've, like, you've done so much to prove yeah. that you actually do care you set up a whole account like I, I don't understand what's going on oh man mental um and yeah like kind of last question about body image is, is like how do you think we stop this stereotype like associating muscular female bodies with men's bodies um like I guess we want to promote the the message that you know you can you can have muscles and that's still feminine yeah I think it, it's going to come down a lot of it to females taking ownership of, of, of who we are and what we are. Um, femininity is defined by women. My feminine is different to your feminine, different to bonus feminine, it's different to, you know, it's, it's how we feel and we have to be unapologetic about it. Like, it sounds ludicrous, but actually like when I'm in the gym and I'm the only girl like in the free weight section, that boosts my feminine ego big time because I'm like look at me being a girl I can dress up and look great but also I can shift this weight over here and I can lift better than you my technique's better than you like that's that does it for me it might not do it for other girls but that's what does it for me um and I think so we're gonna have to really take ownership and not let anyone tell us what we can and can't be is a but then also men just need to stop being so entitled I don't know how we can get this message globally I don't know how we can do it, might need to call BBC News, you know, put out a bulletin or something. But like, I understand that men have preferences and you as a man might not want you, your woman to be a muscular woman. That is completely fine. I'm not trying to preach to the converted. If that's not what you want, that's great. But you don't have to say that. And just because that's not what you want doesn't mean that you're gonna say it and I'm gonna be like, oh, thank you for telling me. I'll just stop now. <laughs> like my my dreams and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing you know my body is functional I'm building my body up to be able to do something great or some women just like the look of looking like they're in shape or looking like they're you know muscular like for whatever reason how I look is not really your concern and to be honest it's not anyone's concern I think even if my parents were like oh we don't like your muscles I'd be like well that's tough isn't it like how I look is my concern and it's, it's what I choose so I just I women need to be more unapologetic about who we are what we are and not let the trolls get to us which is easier said than done definitely but also men just don't like don't give us your unsolicited advice don't talk to me about my technique don't tell me ah oh, you know you I could lift more or ah oh, only you know they're you know men don't want their women looking like this like just keep it to yourself unless explicitly asked for unless you are literally my snc coach or you know my rugby coach i actually really don't want to hear your comments about my body and other than you look great if it's not going to be like a complimentary oh you look you look you're looking strong you're looking in shape if it's not if it's something that's outside that bubble I actually really don't want to hear it. I don't want your advice. I don't want your criticisms. I just don't care. Not that it's going to affect me, but I, I actually just don't care. I don't need it. So I think men just need to stop being so entitled on women's bodies. Oh, no, I love that. And I love the message about taking ownership. Like, I think 
yeah that's so important and actually that is what will make the difference for teenage girls now that they can see that on their Instagram and not all the stuff that like we would have seen growing up um, yeah definitely and like, like the other like advocacy thing that we want to chat to you about which is like you did a series on your I, IGTV so a series on your Instagram about like racism in the UK which like by the way I thought was absolutely brilliant like I loved how educational it was but also that you would like have your cup of tea and you'd be chatting about like a medical term and then be like right bruv <laughs> like <laughs> I thought your like personality like came through so well like I, I honestly loved it um that so renewed you- me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's like my doctor switches on and then yeah. it's just like I oh, know no back back to me that's me <laughs> um so yeah like how important was it for you to use your platform and um, when like I think the whole UK has been talking about racism more which is so important and I guess what do we have to do to keep the conversation going and to like keep building the momentum that's been gained yeah um I think for whatever reason people people follow me or people listen to what I have to say and take some sort of interest in me or, or, or what I say and I was like that's great and all you can use that at some point to like you know promote whatever and whatever but I was like if I don't talk about things that are important to me and things that affect me still constantly on a day-to-day basis then what am I doing um so I just thought you know what it's it it was something that was really quite heavy on my heart and I was like I don't want to you know look back on my life and think oh I wish I had spoken up more at this time and it's a lot and a lot of the things I spoke about were things that I have never really addressed either to my parents or to the people that were involved or, you know, who actually said and did some of those things to me. So I thought, you know what, now's the time. And it's, I find that when we talk about racism, especially in the UK, people like to sort of distance themselves from it and say, yeah, oh, I see all the stuff going on in America. It's really bad. And I feel really bad for the black people there. And I'm like, hang on. what about us like we're not immune like (laughs) but they're like oh but you know police aren't going around shooting black people here and I'm like no but look at what is happening here and they're like what do you mean and so it floored me how blindsided or you know selective people were with the racism that goes on on a day-to-day basis in this country so I was like you know what here I am a successful black woman who's occupying spaces that black women have been told that they, you know, they, they don't belong in, in essence. And I was like, people will probably look at me and think, oh, you know, Simi's a doctor, she's successful, she's this, she's that, she doesn't have to deal with racism. But actually I fundamentally still do. And there's still so many things that I have to, you know, talk about or stand up for myself for. So I thought, you know what, I am going to be, I've, I've made it, made a conscious effort to be more vocal about when things do happen to me and to explain why this is racist or why this is a microaggression and why this is something that needs to stop um and I think the most impactful one was was when I talked about my experiences in secondary school because there were a lot of things um that went on that were done by people who at the time were my friends or you know who I would hang out with or thought that you know were friendly but even things on on a sort of institutional level like our school every year um, for charities week held a slave auction and that was like a tradition and that's that 
like no one questioned it. It was just what was done. But think back to how how that must have made the handful of black people that was at that school feel like it's <laughs> racism. I find is so deep rooted in this country that people are almost taken aback and offended when you call them a racist, but won't address why you're calling them racist. You know, it's it's so deep rooted, and it's going to take a lot of unpicking and a lot of people bringing awareness to <laughs> the ridiculousness that we still have to go through and still have to experience. So, yeah. Just going back to that, that's shocking. What did that auction involve? I'm baffled. That's what it says on the tin. You would have the, the compare and you'd have a selection of six formers and people would literally bid on them and they'd be your slave for a day or whatever it was. That's that like... <laughs> baffling but the reason that people did like no one thought it was a problem because there was only like 10 black people at the school and that's that's where issues come about and like even stuff like you know the government recently you know advising the hairdresser appointments be limited to whatever like less than an hour or whatever it was how is that gonna help black people who typically will sit and have their braids done and have their installs which take you know three four five hours plus yeah but but everything black people are almost an afterthought in the in the uk it's how i feel and it's only when we kick up a bit of a fuss or draw attention to things that people actually start to realize oh okay i can understand why this you know isn't going down well or we start to stand up for ourselves and we're put back into the aggressive box or stop being the aggressor you know calm down that kind of vibe so it's, it's a really tricky tight line to, to to walk on um you know there there's so many times that I've been shoehorned as being the aggressor being told to calm down when actually I'm just standing up for myself and if anyone else experienced what I experienced they they would be you know offended or whatever else as well and rather than focusing on what was said or done it's oh wow Sorry, I just tried to mute myself and accidentally <laughs> muted you. <laughs> I was yes, going to mute myself to cough. Me? No, <laughs> sorry, that was me. And then I was like, oh my That's God. Gaslighting. I've been gaslighted. <laughs> You're literally you just talking. It, you saw it here. You saw it Microaggression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you literally just talk about not being able to use your voice and I mute you, literally. We've had some hiccups on the podcast, but that can be one of my worst. I feel like it was only like a couple. It was only like a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was a light-hearted way to end uh, <laughs> a good discussion. But no, I think um, the way that you've used your platform with the IGTV series, like that's something that, like, I think it's really eye-opening. It's really powerful to hear your experiences. And also, like, it, I think it reaches the people that need to hear it in, like, a really impactful way. So, yeah, like, I, I love it. And I'm sure it is making a difference and will continue to make a difference. Thank you. I hope so. Like, it's, I, I don't know like I feel like it's almost sometimes you feel powerless and, and there are so many injustices and so much going on it just feels like it's a mountain that you can't you could never climb but I think if, if I do nothing else if I call out the racism that I see and I experience on a day-to-day basis and it's and sort of say this is why or this is what you know you're implying when you say that you know, I had one where a friend made quite a tone-deaf joke about, 
you know, she's looking like she's looked ghetto, you know, when she had her hair braided and had some hoops on and called herself like a ghetto name. And I was just like, you do realise you're just reinforcing the stereotypes that black women like myself are fighting so hard to break, you know? So, and uh, I am a lighthearted person. I can take a joke and I understand what people are, you know, being humorous and it's not like, I'm sensitive about everything but I think when people do like it's 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 almost those things like those little jokes that people say without really taking a moment to think about what they're saying and the implications it has and what they're actually transmitting by saying those things um so that's where I like think like yeah by all means make jokes and stuff like that but just be more mindful of the kind of thing you're saying yeah I think it is like it's like it's everybody's responsibility to like remove that like unconscious bias from yeah yeah like I don't know I guess from the way that we live our lives in the UK like it's yeah everybody it's it's almost akin to it's almost akin to how like I remember when I was like you know in secondary school using the word gay was like almost like an insult like oh you're so gay or whatever whatever um, not as an insult, but like it was just used flippantly. Oh, it was and, though. Yeah, and, like I yeah. really use it as an insult. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, now, or at least the people I surround myself with, it's something that's been quite well stamped out, and people don't use it. And, and it's because people actually think, "What are you saying when you say that?" Oh yeah. no, that's not what I meant. Okay, then why are you saying it? And I think we need to have that kind of like those thoughts need to happen for some of the more like racist or racial jokes or comments or undertones and stuff like that and it's so important to have these conversations but to continue them like I had a conversation with Kat my housemate when the protests were going on what this time last year last year or something yeah it was like June start of June so yeah almost a year ago now I had no idea that like I just blissfully unaware completely ignorant that Tat suffers microaggressions on a daily basis as well and I just it didn't even occur to me I'm just baffled by it but these like even more of a reason for these conversations to happen yeah continue to happen just to as you say stamp it out yeah like I'll be it happens at work all the time and People might, you know, say that I'm sensitive, but I know what I know what's going on. Um, where I'll be at work, I'll be with like my doctor colleagues. I'll have my stethoscope around my neck. I'll have a big badge that says Doctor Simi Pam, and I'll introduce myself as Hi, my name's Simi. I'm the doctor here. But the number of times where people are like, "Are you like looking at you like, are you the doctor?" And I'm like, "Yes," <laughs> as I said, and and you you can see the difference. And I think it's a double whammy because. A, being a woman, B, being black, it's kind of like, it's a hit on all sides where they then question you a lot more. And I just feel like black black people have to sort of prove who they are a lot and justify their presence in spaces that aren't typically occupied by black people um, a lot more than our white counterparts. And I do find that sometimes at work. And I find, yeah, because Bristol, there aren't that many black doctors where I work, even though the hospital is huge, there aren't that many. 
that I've come across and you know relative to how many you know doctors are, are in the hospital so whether people do it consciously or unconsciously you do get the after effects of people's bias towards you or you know the bias against you um because they 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 you know they don't trust what you say or they're they think that you know you're a poorer quality of doctor versus you know the white man who just left you know and it's it's just subtle things like that they don't people rarely out and out say it but I have had some out and out racists <laughs> in my time as a doctor even though I've only been a doctor two years it's mind-blowing but yeah it's almost easier to deal with the overt racism because it's like well <laughs> here you are being obviously racist when it's the more subtle things yeah when it's the more subtle things you get accused of overreacting a lot well, oh I obviously didn't mean that well then why did you say it I don't know you. I don't know what you obviously did or did not mean, you know, so. No, I th- love how you're using your platform and it's like it is a long-term thing and I think people will see you as a trailblazer at the moment being a black female doctor, rugby player playing in the premiership and I hope that in the next generation it's, you know, th- that's much more of a norm than it is now. Yeah, me too. Um, right, yeah, like thanks so much for everything you've shared with us. Like I think that that was such a yeah like such an interesting podcast I'm so sorry for muting you for <laughs> I don't know how that happened if um, you ever get <laughs> if anything ever happens I'll be like well I remember that time she muted me so she's, I've got something on you don't ever forget it you can think that next time we see each other on the pitch <laughs> run at the space or run at this skinny wigger that muted you it's a it's a bit of a no-brainer right, we've got some quick fire questions to finish Shall I start with the first one? Yeah, wait, let me, let me just get to them. Okay, right. Yeah, Fonz, kick yep. it off. Question one. Would you rather speak every language in the world or be able to speak to every animal? Every, every language, yeah? Every language, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm I think so too. Her again. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, the I got that one. Um, I agree. Bonner would rather speak to dogs. All the animals. Question two: Would you rather have invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Oh, I thought you were going to go super strength. No, invisibility. I want to be sneaky. Hmm. I feel like you've already got a lot. Yeah. Of things <laughs> it would just be like a double power that's not necessary. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't need it, you know. I'm already there. <laughs> no, I'm sneaky. Okay, question three. Based on your previous question, I've got an idea what you might say to this, but you're on the toilet. You notice there's like a couple of squares left. Do you A, restock the toilet roll before leaving or do you leave it for the next person to do? Oh, no, I'm restocker. Oh, you're restocker. I, I hate it when... You get there and it's not restocked. You got to put out the same energy that you you give out. You know. No, I'm a restocker, definitely. Okay. Question four. What's your favorite day of the week? Saturday, because it's usually match day, which I love. And then because we played so hard, I could eat whatever the hell I want <laughs> and feel no guilt. Very good reason. Yeah. Good day. Okay. Final question. What is your star sign? Capricorn. 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 I don't think we've had a Capricorn. No. Do you know, are you Woo-hoo! into your star signs? 
not really but not because it's like but just I just don't I don't know how people do it you know like yeah you know what I mean that (laughs) not because I'm like oh god so fast that's such a lie like if someone was would like sort mine out because I could I thought it was just your star sign but it's like star sign with like your moon and then like and like I just yeah there's all sorts going on and I'm like yeah I don't know (laughs) so I think we need to get an astrologer on our um this quick fire question oh for sure just to analyze the crap out of us all <laughs> that's the thing but then I find I feel like they'll say stuff and everyone will make it fit to how they are some way or another do you know what I mean me and Rona certainly do yeah <laughs> <laughs> I live by mine even though I also like kind of think it's a little rubbish but it's yeah it's fun <laughs> occupies your time what star signs are you both I'm a Libra and I'm okay. an Aquarius okay we that say it's so little to me <laughs> we've googled those and those people are meant to be friends so yeah oh there you go yeah like, that's um, the thing like I don't know who I who I who I should and shouldn't get on with in terms of like oh like people like oh Capricorn's gonna be most compatible with this person like I, I have no idea so if anyone wants to reach out and, and give me the deets that'd be great can really can really streamline people that I want to date you know oh you're well, not that's... this star sign sorry yeah, well, we <laughs> yeah we do that currently with we we're like well actually like the star signs actually fit so it might have to be there we go mm-hmm. interesting yeah. that will really help my dating life if anyone wants to uh, assist me if anyone's <laughs> out there and interested in a Capricorn <laughs> hit me up thank you <laughs> Oh, no, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was so good. We'll let you know when it's going to be out. Um, but no, that was brilliant. Thanks so much for giving us an hour of your time. No worries. It was a lot of fun. Because <laughs> we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, port laureate. We're on the move and I'm telling you the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, rise up, take the stage. Play your game, don't be afraid. You don't work your fire, Earth Jones of our always.